Overload Podcast. Hope everybody's having a great start to the week. Lots to discuss today. We got recruitment news, major landing for Georgia, landing the number one quarterback in the 2024 class and number one player in Dylan Raiola. Uh, we'll also be talking about Aaron Philo, Georgia State commit, and competing at the Elite 11 Regional Camp. Uh, Crystal Henderson committed to Georgia State. Uh, we'll also get into some news uh, surrounding Georgia Tech. Uh, Joe Burrow looking pretty pretty jacked out of muscle. And then we'll get into the conference finals predictions, uh, who we're taking to win, and then the latest around the London Braves. So, Craig, how you feeling today? Um, what do you think? Feeling good. I'm always excited to talk about quarterbacks. It's no <laughs> question. I mean, that is the toughest position to play, in my opinion. And I like what I see from Burrow. And I think the big news with Aaron Philo, something that we – kind of talked about on the show whether or not that would happen it has georgia tech that's huge for sure so um for aaron right he competed in this elite 11 this also included um prentice aaron nolan um and several others but i thought what was interesting here was and i'm gonna pull up the tweet actually one second guys let's see where he is at hold on give me one sec Okay, is this one right here? Is the Elite 11, is that the one in Oregon or California? This one was in Atlanta. Oh, it was? Yeah, okay. it was in Atlanta. Hold on, guys. That's I'm right. trying to pull it up. 60 quarterbacks from 18 different states. Yeah, exactly. Okay, here it is, guys. Got it for you. All right, so I thought it was interesting, right? So it says over 60 top signal callers from 18 different states, as you mentioned, came out to compete Saturday at at the Atlanta Elite 11 Regional. Here are the top performers. This is who they have. Number one, Aaron Philo. Uh, number two was Colter Glenn from Perry High School. Uh, tied second also J.P. Pickles from North Florida Christian High School. Jared Eccles from South Gwinnett High School. Really interesting. I mean, that's that's three Georgia schools up there in that top five. Uh, Christian Langford, who uh, goes to Buford. He was tied fourth. Jim Ogle uh, from Jacksonville High School in Alabama. Jed West, Justin Little, and then Kamari McLennan. Ooh. So that was some. What really stood out to me, though, with, 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 with that was just how accurate he was, right? Last year, he threw for over um, his completion percentage was 69%, right? Yep. So in this competition, one of the biggest accolades that he was able to win was the Golden Gun Accuracy Challenge. He scored 23 points in that challenge. So as you mentioned, with their air rate attack, how they like to attack defenses, having those three 1,000-yard receivers last year, just at the level, obviously, he's not going to have those same weapons and playmakers. They're all going to graduate. Bailey Stockton, um, Ethan Christian, they're all going, right? So they're going to have young guys stepping up. But if you're that accurate with the football and you can place it in the spots only your receivers can catch it, I mean, it makes their job a lot, lot easier. So I think, you know, especially with Georgia Tech landing a commit of this caliber and how good he is, and for him to play, place that good with some of the top quarterbacks in the nation, I think that says a lot. Yeah, and with him, so his freshman year behind Brock Vandergriff, they had so many gigantic leads, and Brock was actually battling injuries, so they put him out in the second half a lot. He got some serious reps. Then yeah. he takes over sophomore year, leads him to the finals. You see last year he's got that receiving core. They have all that experience. They don't shy away from it. They pass the ball probably 80%, 90% of the time. And if you watch that air raid system, if you recall in the state championship game, that last touchdown pass he threw to Bailey Stockton deep in the end zone, you called it a dot. It was a perfect pass, couldn't have placed it any better. So he has that deep ball accuracy. He has the ability to throw these quick screens. Um, as soon as that ball is snapped, they aren't making reads or progressions. It's all about accuracy. And even with that 
69-70% uh, completion percentage, they'll throw it away when they need to. Right. And then they'll live to fight another down. Uh, they aren't afraid of these third and eights, third and longs. They have a situation for every single play. And I'm not surprised with the accuracy. I was interested in that list, though, seeing the Perry quarterback. I think he actually uh, transferred in. And I'm just thinking about those 4A rankings, and I'm going to have a lot of trouble because Perry – had a great season last year. Yeah. Uh, I think they had probably one bad game in the playoffs. But, man, what Coach Kevin Smith does there, they are the real deal, and they've been knocking on the door. So I think they could be another top-10 team. I need to look more into Colton Jen. Yes, you do. And then, you know, we got the season obviously coming up, our 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, it's right around the corner in June, 13th, 14th, and 20th. Y'all stay tuned for that. We'll have clips and stuff from that. We'll have segments as well. And then our media day. Um, July 26th on that Wednesday, but um, how excited are you of just doing those rankings next year? And when we see it on your podcast, uh, try for the state title next year as far as your rankings and, and things like that. Will you reveal oh, a little bit of that? It's going to be really cool. So we've seen some of the rankings come out early, and I always appreciate that. Whether you disagree with some of the positions or not, I, I like seeing these other outlets put out the rankings early. That's tough to do. Um, and then we have time to change it. I think we're going to get such a good look with this year's Corky Kell 7-on-7 seven seven just being three days. I mean, think about and just seeing how things go down the first day, getting the feel of where the fields are, um, how the tournaments run and stuff. By that third day, we're going to have our eyes set on it, get a really good look at uh, these quarterbacks, who their weapons are, and a good sense of... I mean, with all these big-time passers, who is poised to have the, the best upcoming season? The quarterback play in the state right now is unbelievable. It's it not is. just in the senior class. We've got sophomores. We've got that kid from Central Carrollton that's blowing up, the freshman phenom. Yep. got sophomores. I mean, I think this summer we get a, a really good look at it, and then we get to look into events like this where uh, they're showing out and getting that accuracy. So the freshman phenom Craig is talking about is J.R. Davis. Yep. Speaking of freshman phenom, we mentioned some, and obviously we're going to talk to some of the coaches a little bit more as the offseason progresses, but do you think he's able to get a little bit of playing time his freshman season? Do you think he plays freshman JV, or will it be like a, um, a Julian Lewis situation? He started right out the gate. What do you think? I think he will, and the thing with Central Carroll, they were so good last year, but they do have a new coach coming in, so I think that might help him just them kind of building a, a new system, perhaps changing things around, they'll put him in that quarterback battle. And from what I've heard, I mean, he he seems ready um, physically. And I think if it, it is tough to go out there as a freshman, but if you're just good at getting that snap, <clears throat> catching and throwing, hitting the target, I mean, that's what you need to get your offense going. It benefits a program to get the freshman that experience. And there's a lot of these quarterbacks that were able to do it. I mean, look at Jeremy Heklinski. He shared snaps as a freshman. Then he takes over later on. You can you can do that. I think that is the model uh, moving forward to make sure you have two guys that are ready to go. I agree. And uh, before we continue, we got more uh, recruitment news. Um, thank you, Dave, as always, man, for tuning into our show. We really, really appreciate it. We're going to answer those questions later. I already put one down the most shocking fire when we get into our professional segment but thanks again the other two people that are watching thank you uh, also for tuning in comment below any questions you got for us we'll definitely answer those later in the show but let's keep going we had a uh, major signing for georgia state program uh their their girls team has kind of been struggling lately they land uh, crystal henderson i'm going to pull up the tweet um of her 
Uh, doing so, gosh, I had this all planned, and now I can't find anything. I hate when that happens. Hold on. Let me. Uh, I promise I have more tabs open than you do. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like when it's you be searching, mess. dude, you be having like so many. <laughs> all right. So right here, I thought this is a, this is a good one yep. right here. All right. So I'm going to share the screen with you guys in one second so you guys can see. Uh, right here. Okay. So, again, this is major key, I think. Um, again, Georgia State has not. I think their last winning season was three years ago. Uh, they've been struggling lately, but you're getting you're getting an offensive firepower, right? I don't know if she's going to start her freshman year, but you know we'll see what they decide to do. But she comes in, she can shoot the basketball. She's a good playmaker. She gets teammates involved. She can uh, finish good around the rim. She has good pace uh, to her dribble. They're landing a really good guard, I think, uh, for Georgia State. It's going to add a lot to the program. She's Kale's all-time leading scorer, including boys and girls, and she led Kale to this first ever state title on the girls' side. So I think this is a major signing for Georgia State. Um, definitely going in the right direction, landing a marquee player like this. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and I I do like this move by her. If you look at Crystal Henderson's career at Kell, Kell's program, um, I mean, let's both boys and girls, but specifically girls. Before Crystal Henderson stepped on campus, and they weren't considered a state championship contender. They had a really strong run those first three years. She takes them all the way this year, wins the state championship, and obviously is their leading scorer. She also was outstanding at rebounding for her size because she can really jump well. She can do it all, but I think going to a program like Georgia State, this is going to be key for her development. I think she still has room to grow playing with, like at the college level where she's not necessarily having to try to will them with 30 points. She can develop the rest of her game, uh, maybe – I mean, who knows if she ends up staying there all four years. I think she has a professional career in the future for sure, but I think she just has room to grow because she was just asked to do so much when she was at Kell, just as that leading uh, scorer that really was uh, the key piece that put them on the map. Definitely was, and we saw so many years they got close. They got close the year before they made Sissimi's loss. Uh, a couple years before that, you know, getting kind of far, but just not able to finish it out. And I, Like we've been saying um, all year long, storybook ending to their program and some of these seniors that are going out uh, for both the boys and the girls side. So big signing for Georgia State. I think she's going to definitely make an impact for them. Can't wait to see how her career plays out at uh, with the Panthers. So I think that was a big signing for her. And then other news also in recruiting. Um, we don't have a tweet to show, but I did see that Christian Langford, as we mentioned earlier at the top of the show, he just was named a three-star by on three sports, on three recruits. So what do you think of that? We know Kind of uh, might be a QB battle between him and um, the other uh, junior that's there. But what do you just think of or senior that's there? What do you think of him being named a three-star? Do you think do you foresee him being kind of the presumptive starter uh, for Buford going into next season? That is a great question. And, yeah, you were the one that put him on the radar when he was at East Coweta last yeah. year, right? Yeah. So uh, that East Coweta team was really interesting. I think in, in years past they've had some big-time – playoff upset wins, knocking off Marietta that one year. Uh, they've always seemed to have the ability to beat one of those South Georgia teams, but I thought he had a great year. He had some targets around him that hadn't even been playing football the year before. So I think that showed that he had the leadership ability. Uh, he could get the team's athletes involved in the passing game. And we talked to Coach Appling and anything I saw, there's definitely an ongoing quarterback battle. I should look back at how that scrimmage went against um, Norcross. I know you're pointing out Milton just steamrolling Cass uh, answers that question. 
Um, but yeah, I think there will be a quarterback battle. And I mean, Buford has so much talent in that running back position that it's actually a luxury. They can sit back and see who's going to be best for the job. But I think he has that 7A experience already. I totally agree with you. And uh, before we transition, Craig, anything else on the high school side that you saw that you wanted to point out? I do have some other recruitment news, but it's on like the Georgia yeah, Tech, Georgia well, level. With Crystal Henderson, yeah. um, before this last year, Kel was in 6A. I mean, she was. we know how talented 6A was. She was going up against Westlake, Lovejoy, the best girls teams in the state, top 10 national powerhouses, and really came just shy, two points, one point yep. of – having multiple state titles but I still I, I think that her being surrounded playing on that college level um, adapting to the guard role I think she has a bright future but I, I really think this is going to be a really important year for her to not necessarily have to be just the girl every single possession pretty much I mean she was by far without question the MVP of that team and you look at the most valuable piece of any girls team last year it was her yeah totally agree with you i mean great point by you can't wait to see how that program looks going into next year but yeah i think it's gonna be nice for her uh not to have that but let's keep going um man before we get into the big news for georgia because i know actually guys we got me and craig agreed upon it so um you guys can expect this going forward but um craig is going to be covering georgia uh going forward as far as just news latest with the program uh what's going on things like that and then I'll be covering Georgia Tech, just latest news, recruits, uh, players, things like that I'll be getting into. So can't wait for that. I'm very excited. You guys have seen more of that kind of content. Georgia and Georgia Tech will be giving some input on that, their latest recruits, how the season's going, um, what stands out to us. So you can expect that going forward in our second segment of the show, in addition to other college news. But I think this was big for Georgia Tech. They just uh, extended an offer to Bryce Perry Wright, the freshman, uh, uh, rising sophomore from Buford. Um, I, re- I looked at his tape, looked at his huddle tape. It was very, very good. I like the way he comes off the ball. Um, I like his patch rush moves. Um, I think he'll have a bigger role, and I think if he can step up and continue to, you know, work on his things and, you know, work on his, his, his drive off, his push, but he's really good at block shedding. If he puts that along with five-star Edric Houston, they got a pretty dominant front, just not even including the other players, just on the edges with Houston and then uh, Bryce Perry right. But we'll see. Last year he rotated some. He played, got a big sack against Malachi Singleton in that North Carolina Buford game that we uh, that we televised in the state. So it's a player I'm expecting to have a big jump going into his sophomore season. We had some big offers, and Georgia Tech extends the offer to him. Yeah. I'm looking at him right now. 6'3", 240. That was what he was listed as as a freshman. You're looking at a multi-year starter on Buford. He's going to completely blow up. Uh, in ter- I mean, everyone's going to be coming after him. You start on that defensive line, and, yeah, we'll just see how his game grows. But, yeah, a truly special player. Totally agree. And then other news, too, um, talk to head coach. If you guys didn't see that uh, show, go check it out. Deuce Gerald's for Collins Hills blowing up, too. He was just named number 16 player in his class. 2026 will be a rising sophomore. Um, I think number 16 overall record, I think it was number three probably at his position. But I think that's going to be intriguing, too, because when I talked to Coach Drew Swick, he mentioned um, how good his front was, right, players to watch out for. Um, and I think that's going to be really huge for Collins Hill going into next year. How good, how pivotal can they be defensively, you know, getting the ball back to the offense. But, I mean, they got some studs, man, guys that are blowing up in the recruiting trail. He's another guy that's been blowing up. I really like his tape. He got a, a spring – like practice scrimmage play, he just 
uh, completely just throws off the um, opposing tackle, gets to the quarterback. I mean, I think next year they're going to be a really interesting team to watch out in 7A. Not saying they're going to win it all, but I think they got some good pieces in place. And I think Coach Drew Smith's going to do a good job getting them ready to go. But I like what the defense is looking like going into next year. 100%. When they made it to the finals before they uh, went undefeated and took that state title, it was no secret. The defense was the strength of that team. Uh, Sam Horn was great. Travis Hunter was great. But all their experiences on the defense, they had so many guys that were able to just bust through the line of scrimmage, get to quarterbacks. Teams couldn't run the ball on them. They produced so many turnovers. Then they win the state title, have that incredible season, one of the best teams that ever come through. And then they replace all their coaches. They all get basically head coaching jobs because they did such a phenomenal job. They lost, I think, 20 starters, and then last year they decide, because uh, it was already a thing, they just played one of the toughest schedules you could possibly play. So you yeah. talked to him. I mean, they played a bunch of underclassmen in these big games. They had some disappointing results, got better at the end, but I think what you said, just with their defense and um, what they've been able to do over the years, I think that will be something that will carry them forward, and then they'll be back for sure. Definitely. But uh, they got to talk about the big news. Uh, top 24 player, Dylan Raiola, commits to Georgia last year. Had a good junior season um, for his team. 64% completion percentage, 2,435 passing yards, 22 touchdowns to just five interceptions. It's kind of interesting, right? He's a five-star. He's going to be competing with Ryan uh, Pelugsky as well when he goes there. And, and as he said in his quotes, basically, um, you know, he's going to go down there and compete for a job. You know, and I, I actually like that. Like, he's not running from the smoke. He's not running from uh, having to compete and trying to win a starting job. Most times you'll see that. They'll like, oh, I'm going to decommit, go somewhere else. So I kind of love that. Competition obviously breeds greatness. Competition uh, makes you better. So I can't wait to see who's going to come out on the other end of that. But just what do you think of that, that big commitment news in Georgia landing another marquee player? It's very interesting. Yeah. I was surprised to see it. Number one prospect in that class and – yeah, I mean, they just have so many different quarterbacks right now, seemingly, that are going to be basically fighting for that future role. I think competition does make them all better, but we also live in an era where if things don't work out, quarterbacks usually dip pretty, pretty Any fast. Player. So it's like, yeah. how long are you willing to be in that competition? So I agree. we'll see. But, I mean, if he's confident, I mean, his dad played in the NFL. He knows football. He knows how this works. And looks like he's not shying away. And so Georgia seems to be an enticing place. Um, I like what they do offensively. I don't think they put too much pressure on the quarterback to be the guy. They they have that balance. And, yeah, and Coach Bobo's back. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, that's interesting, too. Yeah. That might have something to do with it. I'll have to look into that. <laughs> For sure. So, that's what we got. Uh, Dylan Wyola, top prospect. Um, it's kind of interesting because Dan Orlovsky actually mentioned like big things happening in Athens. And then subsequently, he kind of already knew. And then the news was broke uh, a day later. So um, that's big news for uh, for Georgia. They're continuing to add to the talent, to the roster, seeing the land marquee prospects, trying to go for a three-peat this season will be really interesting. Um, their recruiting is doing a fantastic job. Obviously, they lose their offensive coordinator. Uh, Todd Munkin, who's in the NFL now, but I think, man, they're just reloading on talent. They're going to be a really interesting team to see next year if they can repeat again. Um, but that's what we got there. Georgia Tech, we landed three-star defensive end, 6'6". His name is William DePappy. Uh, I mean, we'll play probably outside linebacker and defensive end. Watch this huddle tape. Couldn't really get the stats on him. I think what was really impressive is he has a really great size. Uh, he's very long. He's athletic. 
um, very disruptive, um, relentless, uh, has good power. A lot of his tape, you'll see he's using his power and his strength, his lower body strength as well to kind of, you know, get past the offensive linemen, kind of create havoc uh, in the backfield and sack quarterbacks. Uh, my biggest things with him, probably just work-ons or probably just technique, right, uh, and then pass rush moves, right? Because when you go to the next level, it's going to be harder for you to just use your power and strength to kind of get past somebody because they're going to be the same, you know, stature as you, same, you know, height, weight, maybe even stronger than you. So I think, you know, for him, rush, working on a couple pass rush moves, adding a spin move in there, um, a couple more block shedding moves, um, I think would definitely help him going forward uh, when he plays at Georgia Tech. But, I mean, you can't beat a 6'6", 250-plus defensive end coming in, um, you know, without any adding any strength or without adding any um, extra weight. So, I mean, obviously, I think um, – and he's a three-star. So, I think Georgia nailed that. Georgia Tech, excuse me, nailed that. I think, like I said, the biggest thing would just be his technique and working on some more passers moves. But um, major, major move for Tech to uh, land him. And then subsequently they offered also Bryce Perry, right? So. Yeah, and they obviously jumped on him early. He's heading yeah. into his senior year. I think he picked up an offer recently from Ball State yep. and Georgia Tech. They like the size, like what they see, and they, yeah, they jumped on him early. So that's that is key. I mean, that's a that's a big body to have on that defensive defensive line in that edge roll. Uh, not too many guys six six that big. No, not definitely not not that big and not that elusive either. So big big move for them. Um, anything else you've seen on the college realm news wise, Craig? You saw that you wanted to talk Who about? Who were you saying broke that quarterback news? Um, which one? The Georgia. Did you say someone broke that, like, before it came out? Oh, I was saying Dan Olasky, the NFL analyst. He kind of – well, he didn't really break it, but he said, he said like, a, he gave a tweet about uh, interesting things happening in the – I could actually pull it up. Okay. Let me see. It's actually intriguing. Oh, I said Dylan. Okay, here he is. Okay, he did a tweet. Here you go. Hearing big things happening in Athens at Georgia football. Okay, so he knew. So he kind of knew. I mean, he didn't reveal it, but, I mean, if you're kind of hitting at it, I think that's huge. So we've been talking about breaking news. I think this is, this might be the strategy is you talk to these players, you put an embargo on the source, and you say, okay, we know this, we'll tease it, and then we'll announce it eventually. But I think it's crazy because you look at that Twitter feed right there. Yeah. Recruiting is becoming such a just huge news story with these big-name prospects. You're seeing the NFL guys are interested in it. The college guys are interested in it. Obviously, high school guys like us, we find it extremely interesting. So, yeah, it's blowing up, and obviously on three, all those those sites as well. But that's interesting to see that get teased and the hype build. Yeah, I mean it, it's huge, and I think that's the biggest thing. It's still obviously you have the four main networks, right? You have on three, you have rivals, you have two four seven sports, and then ESPN. So those are your 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 creme de la creme. On three is kind of like the the newcomer that's building up a lot of steam. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a big market. And I think, you know, what we're going to try to do going forward is try to land, like, we obviously we build good reports with these players, especially in Georgia. 
I think our biggest thing, yeah, Hayes Fawcett, yeah, appreciate you putting that down below too. Yes, very true. Um, we're going to try to like have prospects on because I watched a video actually before we even came on with 0-3 and they had a player down in Florida uh, from their Nashville, Tennessee office. I mean, he was in Florida at the gym, but they had him call in how we do with our show and have players call in and he announced his commitment decision um, live on air while they were doing it. So as you mentioned, I think that's a direction we should go into and, you know, try to do with players. Obviously, you've got to build the rapport first, build the trust. And also being able to kind of tease certain news if we know. And then, you know, getting their permission. Obviously, first and foremost, got to get the permission. And I think that would take, take us next level, too, being able to break marquee players. Because there's a bunch across Georgia, um, always is, and being able to break where they're going to go. And then being that trustworthy platform, like, hey, yeah, this guy is going here, and this, this source broke it. And they've been at the forefront of high school sports for a long time. So Yeah, I think that's definitely something we need to do. But... Let's say you're a senior, you've been picking up all these recruits like eight in the last month. It's like you talk to us and it's like, okay, I've narrowed it down to a top three. And it's like, all right, when do you, when's a good time to break it? We'll put a hold on it and then hit them up. It's like, are you ready? Yes. And then we break it. I and totally then, agree. Yeah. That's I think that's the best point. way to do it is you have like kind of an embargo on it. It's like, here's the information. We'll let you know. Let's pick a time. Maybe a date. Yeah. Too. Yep. And then, okay. You narrowed it down top three because, I mean, it's important for these players to not get lost in the the Twitter feed. I mean, you need your recruiting decision to make the news, make the headlines, get people excited. Okay, finally they narrowed it down. This is he's been blowing up. So I think we'll definitely start doing that. Yes, and I, I agree with you too. It kind of gives the players. Obviously, you got the other four platforms, but it gives the players almost a way that, as you mentioned, they trust you, and then. You know, you're able to reveal the news, and then they're able to go, okay, hey, you know, why this school? What really stood out to you? How did the school make you feel when you went to recruiting? How were the visits? What really stood out to you? Why did you go here instead of going here? And, you know, as you mentioned, being able to be that platform that they trust, and like you said, being able to kind of put it on the headlines and get the get the opposing fan base that they're going to go to, like, you know, whether it's a Georgia, it's a Alabama, it's a Florida State, um, excited about the player they're getting, and then we'll be able to have the analysis from breaking down their film, seeing them in person uh, on TV, um, seeing them at camp, seeing them at 7-on-7, seven seven, seeing them at media days. We'll know them well enough to be able to tell that opposing or that fan base they're going to who they're really getting as a player. Yep, and if they've narrowed it down to three, it's like, okay, come on and, and talk about exactly what you said, why those three schools, what stood out. So I think that's something that they can take advantage of and we can help out for sure. Yes, so – Expect for that. That's going to be interesting. Like I said, we're really pumped up for um, next season. Uh, we got so much big things going on. Like we said, seven on seven, the media day, um, Corky Kell, Great Atlanta Bash. We got so much in the works for next year. We're really, really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll keep having content every week. So stay locked into our YouTube page and our Twitch and all of our other social media handles, our TikTok. We'll keep having content. So we're going to wrap there for our second segment, talking about uh, college sports. Uh, Craig wanted me to pull up this picture. I said this to him yesterday. He was kind of excited, even though he's a rival because he's a Chiefs fan. You guys all know I'm a longtime Bengals fan. But uh, I'm going to pull up the tweet so you guys can see it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of excited um, to see this from our quarterback. I, I just want us to pay him. Um, obviously, he's our franchise. Um, I don't know what we're waiting for. We'll see, uh, you know, when he's going to get the big payday. But, I mean, if you guys look at this, it's obviously from Not Jake at Cincy Hub. 
year one to year four, I mean, bro, this is his first year, right? I mean, obviously, you know, he's coming in. He's a rookie. Um, not knowing what's going to happen. does get hurt, unfortunately. You know, it, it looks normal. It doesn't look very, you know, big. But if you go and look to year four, I mean, bro, his triceps are popping out. Dude looks bigger up top. Um, they even said that Chase um, is getting bigger, filling out nicely, um, you know, from his lower body. I mean, that's what you want to see as a fan. And you really want to see your quarterback taking it, you know what I'm saying, serious. And like I told you, I think MVP season is loading for Joe Burrow. I do. I think he's locked and loaded. He's going to have his weapons. Um, and I think he wants to get back to the promised land and, and finish it. 100%. When I saw that yesterday, it's like, okay, here it goes. I mean, this guy, as a Chiefs fan, I'm not jealous. We have Mahomes, but I got to feel like some of these other franchises that don't necessarily have, as you would say, that guy. So you look at I'm Joe Burrow and what he's doing, he's just cool. He's the coolest quarterback in the league right now. You look at the size he's put on. He's rocking the headband now. That's going to be new this season. Right. And... I mean, for people to be like, oh, he doesn't have a Super Bowl. It's like, come on. The games last year, like, he couldn't have done anything. It's like the other team just had the ball at the end. He didn't choke. I mean, he he was outstanding all season long. I just think that there's going to be a time and place where Joe Burrow is lifting that Lombardi. And then, as I said, the city of Cincinnati is going to be painting 200-foot murals all over the city and he's going to be the the new king i mean you look at this all these incredible quarterbacks in the nfl right now i'm not a game of thrones fan i not that i don't like it i just never watch it but you just see what like his his mindset his attitude his focus his, his toughness and just leadership it's like this guy wants to be the best quarterback in the league. You can just tell. Yeah, you can. And I was, as I always tell you, everybody has their preferences. But if you can't get a Patrick Mahomes, he's the next best option. I mean, give me somebody else in the league who else you would want besides a Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Josh Allen, no offense, he's great, but he's a turnover machine. Um, Jalen Hurts is great. Um, he had a really good um, year last year, but let's see him repeat it, right? Obviously, I think he's he's top five quarterback, but let's see him have it. As I always look for stuff, it's sustained success, doing it over a long period of time, doing it consistently. Um, and as you mentioned, you either got the guy or you don't got the guy. Um, and I tell uh, the people in our office that all the time. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, like, you know, Dak's cool, makes his money. He's just not that guy. Like, and there's no disrespect to them. They made it to the league for a reason. But you know when you got a guy that can win you a chip. And that's when I say, you don't, like, he's not that guy. When I say that, that means, like, he's not going to win you a chip, right? I've looked at him enough to see him perform in those playoffs and to know, like, hey, he's just not going to get you there. And for us, for Cincinnati, we had Andy Dalton, who was great in his career, got us to five straight playoffs. But you just knew, like, big games, playoffs, he wasn't going to perform. He just was not that guy. So I just think, um, you know, it's hard to get that. When you have it, you got to capitalize on it. And you know, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to win consistently in the NFL. You're not going to win every year. That's just how it is. Um, but if you got the guy, I mean, you're set. Yeah, the consistency you talked about is exactly true. I mean, there's games where their offensive line's banged up. There's games where their offensive line just isn't playing well. And 
who's the one guy that you still have back there, Joe Burrow, getting it done? What other quarterback would you want down by seven in the fourth quarter? I mean, he has the ability to strike fast. He can uh, play the clock really well and have that situation where they score, they don't give you enough time back. I just think he understands the game so well. He's smart. Right. Uh, he lives and breathes football, and that's just exactly what you want. I'm about to I'm about to ruffle some feathers with our audience. I'm about to ruffle some feathers for Graham too. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now. I would take Justin Herbert over Josh Allen. I'm gonna mm. ruffle some feathers. I would. I mean, yeah. respectfully. Um, <laughs> and I know you know he said you no. Know, our fan likes Josh Allen, but I'm taking. I would take Herbert. I would take Burrow. I would take Hurts. I would take Lamar over Josh Allen. I don't see the hype with Josh Allen. He was overhyped last year with MVP. You know, they were supposed to go to the Super Bowl. They didn't go. You know, what was the excuse then? What was the problem this year? It's just crazy because he played, like, one of the best playoff series or entire playoff runs of all time, what, two two years ago. Yeah. They had the Chiefs up on the ropes, and then somehow they don't win that game. But then after that, yeah, he hasn't been the top guy in the league by any stretch. But – that one playoff run, I was definitely impressed. That game yeah. in the snow didn't even phase him. He's completing like 80%. I was like, oh, man, we're in trouble. And then Chiefs find a miraculous way to steal that win. And then this last year, just all the turnovers, they never hit their peak. And I think he has a lot to prove this season. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a top seven quarterback in the NFL, top six. Maybe you can even say top five. But he's not – what everybody makes him to be like top two or in the same conversation as a Mahomes. No, bro, no. He's he's not there. Like, he struggles to beat Mahomes in the playoffs. He did beat him in the regular season, but again, the playoffs is where it matters most, right? And last year, the year before, they got all the way, played you guys the extra championship game. It's unfortunate they lost. not his fault, but they didn't even get back to the same game. They lost in the divisional round. So, again, Allen's a great player, great quarterback, great person, but I'm just saying, if I'm going to take some quarterbacks, I'm not going to take Allen. I would take Mahomes, Burrow, uh, Hurts, Jackson over him, Herbert, too, over uh, Allen. That's just me. And then who'd they say was the coolest quarterback in the league? That's Anthony Richardson. <laughs> he even played it down yet. I know. Yeah, I can't say that. I Lamar, Lamar and Herbert aren't overrated. Let's ask the, the audience over here. Who's the coolest quarterback in the league? Do you think? Coolest? Yeah, just the coolest. Just the coolest. Most swag. Most swag, like, dang, that guy's just it. I'd probably, uh, Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Okay. Daniel said Lamar. I think it's Joe Burrow easily. Yeah, I, I think it's Burrow, I'd too. Burrow. What you got? Who you think? I'll go Joe Burrow. Burrow, that's three Burrow. That's four Burrows. Who you think, Graham? It's probably Burrow. Yeah, okay, 100%. Burrows. I mean, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mahomes is cool, but he's got that voice. <laughs> right. He's got that. <laughs> I mean, Joe yeah, that, that, that's just true. shows up off the bus, and it's just that guy is cool. What do you think that disseminates from, though? Like, even like his the the year, and it wasn't like everyone was like, oh, he, he kind of flirts the line of cocky and. Um, um, what is it? Cocky and confident, right? And he was saying some fine line between does. right, but. I feel like he's just he's just confident in his abilities, confident in the way he prepares, and I don't feel like he really tries to <laughs> to do it, you know. 
Joe Burrow went pretty cold. Why is he still talking about the Super Bowl? Look, look, bro, look. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, right? Look, the play calling was terrible, okay, first of all. Second of all, you got future Hall of Famers he went against with a weak offensive line. I don't think Burrow gets enough credit for that, right? They went all the way to the championship game with that offensive line they had, okay? He did the best they could. They could have broke the game open if he had time to throw. Aaron Donald murdered their offensive line, right? Von Miller was taking off against the offensive tackles, right? So go put a Mahomes back there. Go put an Allen back there, and let's see what they do. Again, Burrow wasn't turning over the football. It's nothing he can do. If you take one, two, three steps, and they're already you know, in your backfield, what else do you want him to do? He's not going to be able to go hot in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl if he don't got no time to throw, man. I mean, he did the best he could in that situation, right? All the good quarterbacks that go have pretty good offensive lines. Like last year, like correct me if I'm wrong, didn't didn't the Chiefs have a good offensive line? Yes. Didn't the Eagles have a good offensive line? <clears throat> Definitely. Okay, so you're gonna need to have a good offensive line um, in order to do that. Yeah. Well, Aaron Donald definitely single-handedly disrupted that game. Yeah, I mean, let's, I don't let's know. be serious. I just, I just think Joe Burrow, what I said, in the fourth quarter, in a big game, no one's doubting his ability. I think some of these losses, you can't pin that on him. No, you can't. And and as you mentioned, even last year, he was like, man, I'm kind of, even as a Chiefs fan, he was like, yeah, man, I'm kind of nervous. Like, you know, Burrow is a, you know, he's a different breed. Like, when he gets in the fourth quarter, he's going to take over. Yeah, completely yeah. nervous. But then that year he made it to the Super Bowl, no one thought that was going to happen. Literally. Who? And even the, they, coming they, off an injury. And, right. Yeah. And even the year after when we played you guys again, nobody had us. They had the Bills. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But we'll leave that there. Let's talk some NBA now, some conference finals predictions, who we're taking and who's going to win. So let's start with the first mm-hmm. matchup, Lakers-Nuggets. I'll go first. I got Lakers winning in six. Yep. Um, I got them winning. They got to take one of these games on the road, though. They can't go down 2-0. If they go down 2-0, they're not going to win in six. They got to take a game on the road, whether tonight or Thursday. Um, the biggest factor is going to be AD, right? Jokic gets triple doubles. Um, he's, he's really good at putting pressure on the defense, finding the open man, and they got shooters, right? So the thing is with the Lakers, they're going to need a consistent AD. AD cannot be game, game, game on, game off, game on, game off. They need a consistent AD, and it doesn't have to be him scoring 30, 35, 40 points. If he gets a good 25, 15-plus rebound game, makes it difficult for Jokic um, and things like that, AD has to win his matchup. I think that's the key for the Lakers. AD wins his matchup. Lakers got to feel good about their chances, and then they need their other players like they did in the Warriors series to step up, right? D'Lo need to give you a couple games where he's scoring 20-plus points. Shorter need to give you a couple games to scoring 10 to 15 points, right? Rui Hachimurimura off the bench, he needs to do the same. He needs to give you a good 10, 15 points off the bench. If they can get Reeves to do what he did, um, you know, a couple 18 to 20-point games, I think that will help the Lakers. But I think it's going to be a great series. The, the Nuggets are number one seed for a reason, right? They're, they're not going to be a, a, a cakewalk. It's not going to be easy. But if they got their players playing at a high level, they got a good chance. But they're going to have to be locked and loaded. They're not going to be able to leave their shooters open. For the Nuggets, you're going to have to be able to exploit the Lakers' defense. You know it's going to be hard to get things in the paint with AD there. you going to have to be able to hit perimeter shots, get to the mid-range, hitting floaters, things like that, and having your knockdown perimeter uh, shooters being able to shoot the ball well. 
Yeah, it will definitely be interesting. I think you said it right. They have to win one on the road. Denver's so good at home. I think they're like 35 and 7. What a difference in styles, though, just going from the Warriors to this Nuggets team. And as you said, it's all going to be about Anthony Anthony Davis, the size matchups. Oh, man, who do I want in this one? I think both teams, if you look at their last series, the Warriors, Clay Thompson didn't shoot well. They had some issues. They basically ran out of gas, as uh, Steve Kerr said. And then uh, the Suns, same sort of thing. They self-combusted. So I think this series will be hopefully not the same thing. <laughs> Where <laughs> this prediction, it, Nuggets in six. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. If AD, I'm not saying gets hurt, but just doesn't have some good outings if they – aren't able to steal one on the road. I think it could very well end, but I think it's a great matchup nonetheless. Um, and yeah, it's going to be about those key guys that stepped up on the Lakers bench and yep. had big performances in, in the second half. Yeah, I think so. And I think, again, for the Nuggets, it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. and obviously Jamal Murray, their starters. Jamal Murray, when he's playing well, he's a star. Um, you know, how effective will he be in this series? Who's going to be his matchup? Um, you know, if he's getting hot and he's going along with Jokic, that that – that pick-and-roll offense is something special. You know, that's, it's difficult to stop. So they're going to have to make it hard for Murray, make it difficult. Um, probably we're going to – I'm just going to be curious to see because the Lakers down the stretch, they didn't start Jared Vanderbilt, right? That's their kind of like all-world defender. He didn't make an all-NBA all team defensively, but he's a really good defender, young, long, athletic. He makes it difficult. But he wasn't, being, he wasn't hitting his corner shots. Um, so he's going to be a good big piece for them as well. Um, and I think that's going to be really, really important uh, going forward for them. So we're going to see. I disagree with you. I don't think the Celtics are going to win in five. I do think the Celtics are going to win this series. But I think too many people overlook Miami. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, they had – it's been uh, – analytics had it 97-3, to Boston winning. Okay, look, Miami just knocked out some really good teams, right? They knocked out the Knicks. They knocked out the number one seed in the Bucks, right? This is a series that is not going to be easy, as easy as people think for the Boston Celtics, right? Still think Boston's going to win. They got the home court, home field advantage, but I think this is going to go seven. What you got? The 1976 ABA Finals appearance is the Denver Nuggets' only appearance in a league final. That's crazy. Yep, Never made it before. I mean, could this be the year it changes? They've never won a championship either. Yeah, exactly. They never haven't made it in our lifetime. So it'd be tough to pick them. It it always seems to go in in the favor. I mean, LeBron gets it done. Lakers are a great franchise. But it's hard to see a team like Denver right now kind of being their own worst enemy, making stupid mistakes. I mean, they don't necessarily do that. And then who do you think is the better defensive team? I'm, I'm going to go Lakers. Like, if we're talking about that series, I'm going to go Lakers because I see what they did to Golden State, and I thought Golden State didn't do a good job. They settled too much. I thought they leaned on the three-point shot too much, even though they're great there, but they weren't hitting it. And I think when you're a three-point shooter, it's not talked about enough. When your shot's not going, you got to be able to get to the paint, right? you got to be able to see the ball go through the hoop. you got to be able to get a floater, a runner, um, a layup, uh, hitting at the free throw line. Once you see one go through, you, 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 you could really start getting on the roll. That's what happened with Tatum in that game six, right? Tatum was one for 14, right? He shot terrible. He was like probably five for 21. But he seen one shot go through the hoop, a corner three, and, and he just had that look in his eye. It was over, right? So I think that was the key in the series there. But the Lakers, like, death, 
their length, it makes it tough uh, for other teams to kind of, you know, get in the paint. So they kind of force you to become a jump shooting team. But if you're able to get past them, hit some floaters and runners, get your shot going that way, and push in transition, they're not a good transition defensive team. If you can push in transition consistently against the Lakers, you'll start feeling good. <clears throat> That's what – that is probably my favorite thing about the NBA. You talked about that. You're struggling shooting when normally you're able to knock down the threes. What do you do? You get to the basket, get to the foul line, try to get going. We live in an era where, I mean, these guys, these superstar scorers, if they get going, they'll pull up in transition and just make you pay. Yeah. Uh, Steph Curry obviously is famous for changing that paradigm on what's a good shot, what's not. I think if guys start catching fire like that, and this series will be really fun to watch. Yep. And that is something that can make the difference. And we've seen it in some of these games. It's just when a guy goes off, he's going to – He's going to be one that gets you that win. You yeah. never know when it's going to happen. Jason Tatum's a perfect example of that. Totally agree. And, and then did you pick who you got yet? I'm going with the Lakers. I got two. How many games? Lakers and six. Lakers and six. All right. And let's talk about um, the other series, right? Yep. Boston and Heat. Now, I disagree with, with Dave. He got... Celtics and five, but it's absurd. He said he respects Jimmy, but he overlooks Miami. But at the same time, Jimmy's a part of Miami, right? So the big the big key for Miami is going to be Bam Adebayo, right? They they might start Al Horford. It could be Robert Williams, but he's going to have to have an impact in this series. He's going to have to be their second leading scorer besides Gabe Vincent and Max Struess on the outside. They're obviously going to have to hit their perimeter shots, do good pick and roll off the bench. Kyle Lowry's going to have to be big for them. But the other key piece in this is going to be Bam Adebayo. He's going to have to play some defense, and then he's going to have to be able to uh, be good offensively. And then to your point that you said, Tatum's your GOAT, don't disagree, but I think Jimmy Butler is going to be on Tatum in this series. Let's see how that affects him because Jimmy, what I do respect about him, they don't give him the superstar title or status, but he will go guard the best defender. He does play both ends of the floor. He does hustle. He does give maximum effort. When you see other guys not necessarily give that. 100%. 100%. I think at one point in the, the last series, he, I mean, multiple games led him in points, rebounds, steals, blocks, and assists. Um, no one else in the playoffs has been doing that. No. He's the heart and soul of that team. Uh, he's able to switch and go full defense if that's what helps, but that's the situation. If he's having to focus on Tatum, that these other guys have to understand that and step up and give him that help. I think the Heat are going to play with a lot of energy. Boston's been battle-tested. They've been up and down in some games, but I thought they, for the most part, have been looking really strong, and that was my pick to come out of the East to begin with. Yeah, so Celtics and what? Yep, uh, I'll go Celtics and six. Okay, I'm going to go Celtics and seven. I think Miami's going to be ready to play. This is the Eastern Conference Finals rematch from last year. Um, this came down to one possession. I think Jimmy was just tired. Um, if it goes down like that again, I mean, you got to like your chances if you're in Miami. So I think it'll be a good series, but I will roll with Celtics in seven. I think Miami, you can't sleep on. Um, you know, we'll obviously see. And then we got to react to news real quick before we're going to the Braves. Um, Doc Rivers gets fired. Um, he said, what's the most shocking uh, firing? Was it Monty Williams for the Suns? Was it um, Mike Budenholzer for the Bucks? Or was it this fire with Doc Rivers? I think it's Monty Williams. Uh, easily Monty Williams, right? Like, if you put it in perspective, Monty got KD, right? But they had to give up so much, right? Multiple first, four first-round draft picks, 
uh, death pieces in Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. And the problem was they didn't have enough death, right, for the Suns, right, outside of um, their starters, right? And then Aiden didn't give you what he was supposed to give you. Aiden was hurt, and then CP3 was hurt, but Aiden didn't give you what he was supposed to. Um, and I felt like they didn't give him enough chance to kind of pair it with the team, get the team fully revolved around uh, their, their star players. And I thought they cut the, I thought they cut the plug too early. Now, those losses were embarrassing at home. I'm not going to lie. To get blown out like that two years in a row on your home floor, I think that's definitely not something you want to see. But I do think he deserved at least one more shot because he's won Coach of the Year, won over 64 games, got them to a uh, NBA Finals before, right? And I think that's what sucks about the NBA. It's not almost like a win-now league. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Because you had multiple coaches that have won championships, not including Doc Rivers, but you had Mike Budenholzer who just won a championship. He was gone. Nick Nurse, who recently won a championship, he's gone. Uh, Monty Williams, who got there, he's gone. So yeah, I think they pull the right. plug so easily that's now. That's a better question than I thought. I was just thinking Monty Williams off the top of my head. The Budenholzer one, uh, that is a little shocking too considering yeah. he had just won and it is that win now thing and you see some of these franchises that just go through coaches like every one or two years it's like they're just doing the same thing over and over again so who would I rather have is that question who would I rather have Monty Williams or Tyrone Lou? Mm. I've always I mean I like them both I like Monty though I like them both, too. I just feel like Ty- Tyron Lue is just getting screwed by his players. Like, they're just never yeah. healthy. That's why I can't consider Kawhi a GOAT. Like, he's always hurt. Like, it's not his fault, but, I mean, he can never give you, you know what I'm saying, the minutes he can give you. Like, I think they would have beat the Suns first round if he plays. Yeah. If he don't get hurt and tor- tor- tears his meniscus, I mean, I think they would have beat the – I think they could even have beat Denver, too. But all of them healthy with the Westbrook? Yes. It's crazy, and man, Twitter after the Suns lost that series, all the talk about KD, that was just really interesting to see because, yeah. I mean, at some points you have people, it's like, oh, he's the truly best player in the league right now. Yeah, and then they did you do see, that. Yeah. You see him fall off in the playoffs like that, and then it goes back to the he's just a ring chaser that <laughs> <laughs> hasn't really actually accomplished it yet. So, I mean, that's interesting. What's the future look like with him? He's going to be there. Yeah, he's still got another three crazy. years. And he's still got D-Book on the contract, too. So Yeah, so, I mean, his career after those super teams with Golden State has definitely been a bumpy road. Yeah, man, it's all about who you trust. Um, Brooklyn was definitely not, you know, a lot of people thought they would have won if, you know, if, if, his, yeah. um, if his team, my bad, if his team didn't get hurt, a lot of people thought he would have won. Um, and they thought, um, you know, if his foot wasn't on that line, they would have won instead of Milwaukee, but that's the that's the if game, right? We don't know that, right? And man, seventy sixers fans were reeling after after that performance. I mean, your two star they players played like, like what do we do? James Harden's three for eleven. Joel Embiid's five for eighteen. Right? He gets kind of a pass, but he's get this stat: Embiid is zero and five in conference semifinal series. Zero and five. They've lost almost every series to Boston, right? And I think Jalen Rose put it in a great perspective. He was like, these are all players you could have had. They could have had Mikael Bridges, who they drafted and traded. They could have had Jason Tatum at that, at that spot. They got, uh, I think, Ben Simmons instead. Ooh. I mean, and then, and, then, and then they let Jimmy Butler walk for Tobias Harris. I mean, if you put all that in perspective, like, you could have won a, probably a couple of chips by now. Like, if you really think about it, imagine having those players along with Embiid on the Sixers right now. It'd, it'd yeah. be a different story. And the, and the sad thing about Harden is, 
he used to be one of my favorite players, but it's just like when I was talking about NFL, he's just not a guy that's going to come through when you need it most. And I've always felt like that about his career. And, you know, he's obviously was an MVP at one point, a great talent, probably going to be a future Hall of Famer. But I just think that he just he comes up short every time in those big moments. Like he had like what happened to the 45 point performance he had game one without him beat. Not saying he had to do the same thing, but then three for 11, like, you know, almost scared to go up, passing the ball out. Um, not being aggressive. Like, that's Philly needs him to be aggressive if they were going to have a chance against the, the Celtics, not to be passive. And I felt like far too much he was that. When he's aggressive, he's a different animal. But when he's passive, I mean, you see the result. Yep. He always seems to do that, too. It's like, oh, he doesn't show up in game sevens or this and that, and then he'll come out and just have a ridiculous performance. And you're, okay, respect, and then same old thing. It's just always happens. I remember back when he was with um, – the Thunder on that team with uh, Durant and uh, Westbrook. I mean, if he would have just showed up in that game seven and done anything, anything. he would have won that series. But, I mean, he had something like a two of, like, 14 shooting night. It's just, yeah, yeah. he's he struggled in um, those decisive games, to say the least. A lot. So, we'll see. I think it'll be a good conference finals to all the trolls that said, oh, the bubble wasn't real. I mean, I mean, what are you saying now? It's the same four teams that were in the bubble uh, conference finals are back. So, um, obviously, that wasn't a fluke thing. I mean, these same four teams are back. I mean, obviously, some different rosters, but to make it back, it's not an easy thing to do, and all four teams have. So, um, other news, uh, Atlanta Braves, um, they get it going. 12-0 victory against um, the Texas Rangers, who are atop the uh, NL, uh, AL West. Excuse me. Um, so, Braves right now 26-15. They actually dropped a three-game series against Blue Jays, got swept. But 12-0 victory, big for them. Charlie Warren had a pretty decent game, 10 strikeouts, uh, 7 hits. Acuna had uh, two RBIs, um, and then Austin Riley also finished with two RBIs. Uh, the Braves, they went up 4-0 in the second inning and basically put it on uh, cruise control in and was able to you know, win the game. Big, big win for them as they continue to try um, to stay atop the NL uh, East. They currently have a six-game advantage right now. Um, so... Uh, I thought a big bounce back for them, right? Their offense was kind of limited against the Blue Jays. It was 3-0, 5-2, 6-5 in that series. Wasn't able to get it going offensively. But I think, you know, to get out of that slump, um, get it going about batting-wise and having some players step up, I thought was huge. Absolutely. They bounced back well from the Astros, which was another four-game skid. Uh, they're at the top of the NL right now. And I don't know, it'll be an exciting summer. I feel like you look at the past few years after the All-Star break, they really turned it on. Uh, I think they're in good position right now, having a solid start. Acuna's batting uh, really well, and yeah, we'll see. Twelve zero win. That's pretty, pretty solid right there. Yeah, pretty solid. They got another game tonight, so good way to bounce back for them. Looking like a pretty good team, going to be in contention um, in the playoffs. So we'll see how it continues to go for them. Um, but yeah, before we wrap, Craig, any other uh, news headlines that you saw in the sports world you want to yeah, highlight? Parkview and Lowndes at Truist Park today. A big time state championship matchup to kick this thing off with uh, baseball. Ton of prospects in this game. Parkview has not lost a series this year. Third straight finals appearance. They've got the most championships. And then Lowndes is looking to become the first team outside of Metro Atlanta to win a state title in the highest class since 2003 so it'd be a huge accomplishment for the vikings if they can uh, knock off parkview but i think it'll be a really exciting series uh it's 
a little unfortunate that it's on a Tuesday. I feel like the crowd would have been a lot bigger, especially from uh, the Lounge fans having to travel up during the week days is tough but i yep. think it's going to be exciting and i'll have that coverage at scorytail.com and we'll see if it gets settled today or if we'll need a game through tomorrow yeah keep it locked if you want to go see the track results from the state championships go to scorytail.com follow uh craig on twitter all the handles and stuff will be linked below as well as mine for all the content pertaining to that um and uh, he had a great show yesterday um getting on head coach from sonoraville and also talking to me about lacrosse championships that was recapped Milton wins their 16th state championship in girls lacrosse. They are the creme de la creme. They are the class of lacrosse in the state of Georgia. But real quick, we got a couple questions before we wrap the show. Um, Man City Madrid, this is going to be in Man City. I thought they did a good job. I thought they were a little bit passive in the in the second half after they scored that goal from Kevin De Bruyne, who I mentioned as a key player. I think that they should have been a little more aggressive against Real Madrid on the road, but they settled for a 1-1 tie. I'm going to go a... 2-1 home victory for Real Madrid. Vinicius Jr. was big. I think Rodrigo's going to get involved in the scoring in this one. Um, or Benzema. Look for one of those two to have a goal. It could be more. Um, yes, very passive, I thought. Um, they just looked like they were just content with the 1-1 draw. Expect Holland to have a better game. Expect for Foden to have a better game. But I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go up a little bit more. I'm going to go like a 3-2 win at home. Um, that'll be a what? That'll be a 4-3 aggregate. Um, I do not have Madrid advancing. I have uh, Man City getting it, finally beating uh, Real Madrid, sending them packing. Will be really good. I know that is this week. And then, yeah, I got Inter winning. They had a great first leg. Um, you know, just they had no answers for them. So, AC Milan didn't. So, I think Inter will do the same thing today. I'm going to have to defer to Jason Longshore on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll trust your word on that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, um, yeah, guys, that's all we got for you guys today. Um, we'll throw it one more time to you, Dave. Any uh, last questions before we wrap? He agrees with Man City. But back to Milton, what I liked about us talking yesterday about the girls lacrosse program, who yeah. was the most excited to congratulate them all over Twitter, all the, the football guys. That entire school was proud of what that Milton girls lacrosse Cross program does 16 state titles in 18 years absolutely ridiculous yeah you can't get no better than that that's just dominance at the highest level and continue to do it the coaches in the hall of fame um you know i think you can't do no better i mean obviously i think you know he's doing it right for the right reason i think blessed training is another team that's mm-hmm. been having a good <clears throat> run i mean six of the last state seven state championships they've won on the girls side battling in the tough region as well that we talked about all year roswell um, Blessed Trinity, Johns Creek, Centennial, Cambridge, um, for them to be able to do that, I think it was good. Um, and then last question, he said, uh, Vinny, go a prediction. I'm going to say he gets a brace in this one. I think he's got the scoring going with the one. I think they'll they'll kind of know how to attack Man City's defense a little more in this one, uh, especially for some tactical changes. But, yeah, I got um, Vinny, go a prediction. I'm going to go two goals, brace for him, and I think it'll be really interesting. And, obviously, we should have a show next week, um, so I'll be here for that. Stay tuned for the Craig Show tomorrow. Uh, drive for the, the state title. Uh, any major guests? Not yet. Not yet. No. All right, so I'm sure he's going to try to get a baseball guest on. Depends on if the series is clinched tonight. Gotcha. You should go for Lounge or Parker. I think yeah. that'd be a good one. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. As always, Dave, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Uh, you're awesome. Appreciate all the fans, the three people that tune in as we continue to try to grow uh, the show. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday for another one. 
um, and with more news and recruiting and everything and obviously the, those other segments, uh, including Georgia and Georgia Tech. So without further ado, you guys have a great uh, rest of your week, and we'll talk to you guys next Tuesday. We're out. Have a good one. Peace.